welcome to another episode of Oh Shoot. I don't know if you can hear, but I'm smiling a little bit more today than I usually am in my podcast because I'm joined by someone very, very special. So why don't you introduce yourself, a very special person? Well, how's it going, everybody? My name is Charlie. I am Cassidy's husband and longtime friend. Um, opportunity to just talk with Cassidy about a couple of things. You might hear me on the podcast a little bit more coming up, which is super cool. Um, we've got a couple of things in store, um, but today we're talking about how to shoot a wedding. And Cassidy um, so graciously invited me to be on. So thanks, Cass, for the invite. Of course. And we got Charlie like a nice microphone and everything. So I assume he's going to be on the podcast more than not because he's just like a good person to talk to about this stuff because yeah, he's a big part of my business. Um, okay, cool. So I want to dive into this topic, but before we do, um, Charlie, I want you to tell everyone just a little bit about I don't know about you, but also like how you got into shooting with me. Um, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting. I mean, most of you that have been tuning into Cassidy's podcast know her background and have heard about how she went from working for uh, college and doing the photography for the team there, um, capturing live events and working things. And that was actually the college that I was attending at that time. So I was present during the whole time that Cassidy was just getting her feet wet with photography and learning and different things like that. And it was around that time um, I kind of had a background with art and different things, doing pottery in the past and mm -hmm. even really strongly considering going to art school. Um, but I actually, I went a different route, ended up at the college that we went to. Um, and so I had a background in art, like I was saying, um, and was just interested in the things that Cassidy was doing with her photography and it was really cool to see the beginning of how she was doing things and just offered to help in whatever way I could. And when she started getting opportunities to do weddings, um, that was when Cassidy started pitching me different um, prospects and times to be able to jump in with her as a second shooter. So that's mm -hmm. really kind of how um, my uh, opening came with photography. Yeah. And you just like got a camera, basically. You kind of just like took initiative and got a camera that you were interested in. And because you had a camera, I was using you as a second shooter. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was kind of cool just to, at that time, um, you know, just dive into researching different cameras and different things and finding what interested me and what I kind of thought was the direction that the um, camera industry was going to. Um, and so that was kind of how I landed where I wanted to get. Um, it wasn't out of any influence from Cassidy because she was actually shooting on a completely different body at that time. Um, it just was, yeah, my own research and landed on what I wanted and ended up getting the Sony a7 III that I've been shooting on for uh, basically since that was the end of 2018 going into 2019 when I purchased my camera yeah. um, around Christmas of 2018. Um, but it wasn't until maybe a couple months later, actually into maybe the beginning of the summer of 2019 was when I shot with you for the first time. Yeah, I think the first wedding you shot with me was actually March of 2019 in New Jersey, right? I mean, maybe I was, uh, maybe I'm remembering the timeline wrong. I yeah. thought it was another couple in Michigan well, that we, we had did, shot. Yeah. So we, we started in New Jersey and then we went and did a few in Michigan that summer too with me. Yeah. You well, remember? whatever. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess I might be remembering it wrong because I thought it wasn't until the summer when I had shot, but 
No, I mean, we, I, we've done so many weddings together that it's kind of hard to keep track of them all at this point. Yeah. Um, but the first few that we did were pretty, um, I don't know. You learned a lot from those weddings and I learned a lot about how to be a good lead photographer so that you were prepared and could help me and serve me as a second photographer. Um, so yeah, we learned a lot also just about working together as a team in those first couple of weddings for sure. Yeah. And so, I mean, this, uh, as we're just kind of talking about our team dynamic, it's not necessarily how to shoot a wedding altogether, but it's just been cool because I think our friendship and our relationship, the way that we flow really well together, just as a team Mm -hmm. period in life has definitely translated into a smooth transition of how to shoot a wedding together. And I think not messing around and me not thinking that I'm the head honcho or anything (laughs) and definitely following your lead um, just helps um, create a better, I don't know, uh, synchronization as we're working. Like it just helps me follow you. Um, And being ready with that mindset just to serve however I can when we get into a wedding day and realize like Cassidy's got the vision. She's the one that has this set up and whatever she needs, that's what I'm here for. So that's, that's been a good way for me to be able to just jump into it. And really it's not like as a second shooter that it's not like giving me chances to express myself or get shots in um, the ways that I want to see them come out. Like there are definitely still ways to have my own personal influence when I'm shooting, but uh, definitely still taking your vision as Mm -hmm. the, the number one thing that is kind of bringing everything to fruition and I'm kind of working within those parameters on a wedding day. So, yeah. And I feel like, you know, my shooting style well enough to know what types of images I would capture. So if I do send you off on your own, you're able to get images that look super similar to what I would shoot which is just helpful for me because um, then I'm kind of like in two places at once, essentially, because you're able to shoot in that super similar style to me, which is just, it's helpful. Yeah. And it's really funny because I kind of talked back about the, the camera body that I landed on with being the Sony a seven three. And it was really funny just because Cassidy had been such a disciplined individual when it came to learning her uh, manual settings and different things when it came to shooting on a DSLR to then me shooting on a Sony. It was funny, the first couple weddings that I did with her, it was like I was stumbling into great photos because of how the mirrorless setup just helped me. Um, I don't know, just it was a lot easier to learn, much more user-friendly, and I didn't really have to worry about a lot of that stuff. But I'm kind of jumping into a different topic that I don't want to discuss in this. Yeah. You tune into a different episode, <laughs> and you'll hear all about those differences and yes. how we came to that uh, conclusion. So, right. so we are going to talk about mirrorless versus DSLR in another episode coming soon, but we are going to stay on topic with this episode, um, which is how to shoot a wedding and, you know, just kind of what a wedding day looks like. So I think this is a good time that we can kind of jump into the um, topic. I went and pulled a timeline that we used at a wedding that we shot this past weekend. So I thought that it would be helpful literally just to walk through that entire timeline and just talk about like what we were doing during that time, what shots we were getting. Um, Because when you're shooting a wedding day, it can be kind of overwhelming just getting this huge timeline and not knowing like what actually goes on during that time. So we're just going to jump into this timeline. Oops. I just hit the table. (laughs) So yeah, um, this was a 10 hour wedding package, which is 
my top package, Charlie's included in that package. So normally I don't shoot for 10 hours. That's like a pretty long time. But in this case, we were shooting 10 hours, which um, covers a lot of stuff. So um, we started the day at noon. So we were told that we needed to get there at noon. And that point is when we were supposed to get getting ready photos. So, um, we arrived at noon and then Charlie actually went off with the groomsmen. So he went, dropped me off at the venue with the bridesmaids and he drove to where the groomsmen were getting ready. So we were separate for, I don't know, probably about 45 minutes to an hour. Um, I just kind of told him when he was done getting shots of the groomsmen that he could come back and then shoot with me, whatever was left of the bridesmaid stuff. So at noon, when I started, I went right in and got the box of details. So I gave myself about 15 minutes to do the details. And that was um, the invitations, the rings, the dress. Um, She had sunglasses and like perfume and stuff. And I don't think I got any photos of her shoes. But um, yeah, so that's what I was doing for the first 15 minutes. I think during that first 15 minutes, Charlie was just driving to the, the groomsman hotel and just trying to figure out where they were. Yeah. And so even to back up a second, I don't want to miss this point either. Cassidy just mentioning the fact that we were going to be shooting a 10 hour wedding. You kind of have to gear up to be shooting like a marathon when you're working these big events. People hire you out for these long days. And a big part of how to shoot a wedding is even in just your preparation. There's so much, so many details and so many different things that you have to get together as you're getting ready for that. And one of the things, because Cassidy is so detail oriented when it comes to getting ready with just the photography side of things and really being prepped and ready to kill it with getting the the gear together, getting the right shots, making sure she's got all the family lists um, for family photos together and all those different things, the must have shots from the bride and groom. It's funny that even just like some of the regular practical things of even like just when to eat and different things, getting ready for a wedding day, um, those can slip Cassidy's mind sometimes. And that's some of the more practical things are the things that I'm catching when we're getting out. So even before all these details and other things, I'm not trying to just go all over the, the board here, but it's like you, as you are prepping yourself for those of you who are listening, you have to think about that stuff because you have to keep your energy levels up and be ready to go because there's no guarantee that you're going to be eating as the time when all those other people like are getting ready for the wedding. Yeah. They have like a couple hour stretch there where you're going to be basically capturing those moments where they might be eating and might be having a good time but there's no guarantee that you're going to be eating from that time that you're going to even into the later in the evening at the reception because it's you never know the the couple might have forgotten to get you a table they might not have included you in the meal plan most people if they are taking care of their people that are there as vendors or as the people offering services the videographer the photographer whoever they're going to do that but it's not a guaranteed thing so you kind of have to get ready And that was funny. So it was just like this past weekend, we grabbed like power packed smoothies and sandwiches and hit the road. And that was as close to the time that we were going to be heading out for the for the actual wedding so that we could have that just energy ready to go throughout the rest of the evening. So back to your point of then what I was doing in that that first time around noon when we get there. 
Um, I went in with Cassidy and this is usually a big part is if we are ever going to separate locations or even in the same building, but separate rooms or something like that. And Cassidy and I are splitting up is I will go with Cassidy to the very first people that she'll meet Mm -hmm. and usually do my best to introduce myself to them as well at the same time with Cassidy. That way people make that connection right then and there. They see us side by side and they know from the first moment that they meet us to the end of the day that Cassidy and I are going to be working in tandem and they can just get that picture right in their mind right up front. Yeah, totally. So yeah, Charlie will come in with me. I um, will introduce him to the bride or just whoever's there, um, sometimes parents, um, the bridal party, and then he can go in. And then I usually go with him to the other party that he's working with and introduce myself to and just say like, this is Charlie, you know, we're working together. So yeah, I think that introduction part is really important. Um, yeah, just to make sure that everyone's on the same page. Um, so yeah, to jump back into the timeline a little bit. Um, so while I was getting detail shots, Charlie was basically just driving to the hotel to find the guys because it was about like, what, like a five, 10 minute drive. Yeah. Yeah, it was across town. They were at a hotel that was separate from the actual venue because the bride and the bridesmaids and their family was getting ready at the venue and in like a bridal suite, whereas all the guys had a hotel room across town where they were all getting ready and then meeting where they were going to be doing the bridal portraits and the rest of the bridal party photos. Right. Okay. So um and that's pretty typical, I would say. Um most venues have a bridal suite, but it's not guaranteed that the bridal suite is for both parties. And if it's not for both parties, chances are the guys are going to get booted out of there. So if you do have a second shooter, um, it's good to either just like have them go straight to the hotel or I don't know, just map out how far away the hotel is from the venue. So you give yourself enough time to get back to the venue if you need to be back for something. So I was getting detail shots. Charlie was just getting situated with the guys. Um, Once I was done with detail shots, that was when I was getting the getting ready photos. And when I got there, the bridesmaids were completely ready. They just didn't have their dresses on. Um, It's kind of rare that this happens, but I talked to the bride and she said she didn't really want photos of herself without makeup on. So that's why she did that. So when... I was getting photos of the getting ready portion. I gave myself about 45 minutes, so 12.15 to about 1, and I was getting more stage stuff. Um, We did some photos of the girls in their, like, little pajama things outside, and um, then we did some, like, fake getting ready photos, so I had them all in, like, this big mirror, and they were all putting on lip gloss and, like, dancing and doing fun stuff like that. Um, And then I wanted to get some solo shots of the bride. She had this cute like pajama robe thing on. So I got some solo shots of her. Um, She was drinking champagne and stuff. So it was really fun. Um, So that's basically what my getting ready looked like. Um, It was a lot of candids too. Like if things are happening or like her mom was ready halfway through that. So I got some shots of the bride going up to her mom and um, you know, just like hugging her or whatever. So Charlie, Charlie had a little bit of a different experience for his getting ready portion. So you can kind of walk through what that looked like. Yeah. I mean, you might've heard me laughing over, um, just behind the microphone when Cassidy's talking about all the girls getting ready because it was, sounds pretty glamorous and nice with, with the girls. 
Um, it was a little bit of a different scenario with the guys and nothing against it. It was, it was just the way it was. Um, when I had gotten over to the, the hotel room that we were mentioning across town, I finally found the hotel room on the top floor of the hotel. Um, it was like 11 guys that were packed into this two bed, um, hotel room. And they were all like, when I walked through the door, knocked on the door, half of them were naked and still stripping (laughs) down and getting ready. Like one guy was just getting out of the shower and stuff. And so it's really funny that dynamic of when you like, when you're trying to get actual shots of getting ready, there's a certain level to where you need to let people actually be ready. Right. And sometimes you don't always show up when people are completely ready and that's okay. Like I would say that's typical. Having a ton of people crammed into one space is actually super typical for a wedding, even with the girls too. Um, so you kind of just have to make space and you know, if people are naked, like just give them some time to put some clothes on, but you do get to get that like entire process of them getting ready too, which is kind of fun. Um, plus with the guys, they get ready a lot quicker. They have a little less work. So if they're not as put together as the girls, it's kind of expected at that point. Yeah. And it's really funny if you're ever a second shooter going to shoot the guys, um, not that like it's any less important. It's just the fact that usually the focal point is on the bride getting ready. And so usually the guys are, it's funny. We've had the euros going on the last like couple months when we were, uh, shooting these last couple weddings that we've done. And it's like, I go into the room and all these guys are huddled around the TV watching what this is, soccer game. Oh, okay. It's a soccer game. Uh, yeah. Cause <laughs> it was like this groom and all his groomsmen had played soccer at college with each other. So they were just all like drinking beer and watching a soccer game. And they like of the time that we had slotted for getting ready, which was like an hour and 20 minutes or yeah. something. They literally watched soccer for like 45 minutes and then got ready for like 20 minutes. So yeah, It was, I mean, it's just the way it goes sometimes. And even in that sense, when we're talking about it, like Cassidy was talking about how the bridesmaids were pretty much already ready. Um, They just had to do some stage things. Honestly, with the guys, it was nice because you just give them time. You can get a couple of like the raw and natural setting photos, but give them a moment to kind of get situated, get their stuff together. And then you can do some stage stuff that just really works out well and makes it give the appearance that you get to look back on the memories of them getting ready together. But it's not all just these kind of um, disheveled, crazy looking photos of right. guys in a steamy bathroom yeah. and their clothes are all over the place. Like, no, you want to, you want them to be presentable too. So right. um, there's you, a level to that that you have to kind of watch for. Right. And you do have to give um, a little bit of guidance and getting ready, especially for those classic shots of like tying the tie and zipping the dress. I usually do have to give a little bit of direction. Obviously I want things to play out candidly, but um, even like where you have your subject standing. So is, you know, it's important. So I will um, have the, um, the bride or whoever just like, I'll put them maybe like in front of a mirror or something Um, And then I will say like, okay, you can get your dress on here. So I'm getting them in that position where I know the lighting's going to be good and everything, but I'm not actually telling them how to react or what to do with their face or anything. It's just, I'm making sure that the shots are going to turn out and then I get those candidates as it unfolds. So, um, and you kind of did that too, because it was pretty crowded. You kind of just pulled the groom and the best man outside and you tied the tie and you put on the jacket and stuff and got all those photos separate from the other 
guys or you, didn't you also just have the guys leave the room for a second because it was too crowded? Well, no, it actually worked out really nice because when I did pull the groom and the best man aside, when we went back to figure out a couple of things, there was kind of a funny scenario where the groom couldn't get his bow tie tied. So we spent some time really helping him get that put together. And then by the time we actually got back to the room, uh, this specific wedding that we're talking about, the guys had left to bring stuff from the hotel oh, room back okay. out to their cars. So then we had the hotel room for ourselves just oh. for like 10, 15 minutes, which worked out perfectly. Right. Okay, cool. So um, after you get getting ready. Oh, I, yeah. So one more thing before we move on from okay. this, Cassidy, I do have a question for you because I know you second shot for some other people in the past and you've had different experiences. So this is kind of pointed maybe towards me being a guy (laughs) and being able to shoot the groomsmen um, and the groom getting ready as a guy. It's easy for me to blend in and to be able to be just kind of behind the scenes. And it's a lot more natural for them, for me to be around and shoot them. Mm -hmm. Whereas um, maybe for any ladies that are out there listening to this right now, Cassidy, can you kind of speak to how you might get shots of the grooms and the groomsmen and kind of blend in and make them feel comfortable, even though it might be weird to have a lady that they don't know that's around them as they're getting ready for their big day. Right. Well, the one thing that I do try to make sure is that everyone is dressed. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I, that's, that's important. <laughs> right. And if, if people are still in the process of getting dressed, I will give them space to actually like put on pants, put on a shirt. And then it's like after they're dressed like that, then I will get shots of them putting stuff on. Um, so if they're not ready like that yet, I, I honestly will just step out and give them that time and say, can someone come get me when you're fully dressed? Um, as far as like making sure they're comfortable, um, m- I haven't really had any any issues with guys being uncomfortable. Um, it would be uncomfortable if they weren't dressed. But like I said, you just kind of have to step out and give them their space and like know that boundary. Um, most, most of the groomsmen or guys that I've worked with um, – they're very chill. I mean, it, you kind of just have to talk to them. It's um, whether you're a guy or a girl or whatever, like you just have to talk to them um, and just make that conversation. Um, it might be a little bit harder with the guy side of the bridal party, but um, yeah, I, I would say just like letting the conversation flow. Um, and like I said earlier, directing them, telling them uh, where to stand, what to do. I think Um, sometimes the groomsmen have a little bit harder of a time with that direction aspect of it versus the bridesmaids kind of know what to do. They know when to smile. Um, so that's really the only difference. Um, you know, it's kind of just like meeting someone new. I don't know if it's necessarily gender related. It's just like the fact that it's a group full of new people. Maybe I've met the the groom once or twice, but a group of new people, you just kind of have to interact with them and make conversation and just make it like a natural thing. Um, and once you shoot enough weddings, you kind of get used to that too, like walking into a group of strangers and becoming friendly with them and getting them to be comfortable, comfortable in front of the camera. That's just, that's the job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's not to be overly obvious. Um, it's just to really make sure that you are good at observing social cues and making sure that you can make yourself as natural as possible and presentable to the people that you're going to be capturing. Because obviously, if you stick out like a sore thumb, then those moments that you're wanting to be candid are going to feel really forced. Right. And so that's just why even as as dumb as it may seem, that's why I wanted to ask that question. Because yeah, no, I know I, there question. might be girls out there that are thinking that, that have been in that situation, thinking like how as a girl am I supposed to be able to feel 
in the background of right. watching all these guys getting ready and trying to get nice shots of them. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, yeah, it was a good question. Um, okay. So after I get shots of the bridesmaids getting ready, um, at one o'clock, um, I had one to one twenty-five slotted for getting dressed. Surprisingly, you need more time for getting dressed than you think because all of the bridesmaids have to get dressed or all the grooms have to get dressed. And then if you're doing a first look with the bridesmaids, um, you have to have a separate room that the bride gets dressed in, and then you have to set up the bridesmaids so that they're ready for the first look. So I gave myself from one to one twenty-five to do getting dressed photos, and then one thirty was the first look with the bridesmaids. And at one thirty, Charlie had time to drive back and join me for the first look with the bridesmaids, which is ideal for me because I like to have two different angles during that time. One angle of the bride coming out and her reaction, and then obviously one angle of the bridesmaid's reaction. So um, we had the girls get dressed kind of like out in the open part of the bridal suite. And then the bride was in like this separate little room. It had nice lighting and stuff, but it was like a little room. It was just me, the videographer, the mom to like zip up her dress and stuff. And then obviously the bride. Um, so that took honestly, like maybe 15 minutes to get her dressed and stuff. And then usually at that time, I'm also getting some photos just of the mom and the bride together. Um, I know looking back at my wedding, I really appreciated those photos. So, um, you know, I get the zipping up photos, but I also will say like, stand next to each other, give each other a hug. Um, and sometimes the mom has like a gift to exchange with the bride or something. So that's a good time to do that. Um, you know, the photos of the shoes or whatever. Um, sometimes a maid of honor will come in during the getting ready and do shoes or something like that. So that's also something that happens. Um, so at that point, um, we, I just like left the bride in the room with her mom and got all the bridesmaids situated where they were going to stand for the first look with the bride. So I had them all like standing outside of this door outside and they all had their eyes closed. They were facing the door. Then once they were ready, I went and got the bride. She came down, walked through the doors and I had her stand close enough to the bridesmaids. So when they opened their eyes, I was able to get a shot of all of their reactions, but also like the bride's head was blurry. Like, so you could see the back of her head, but it was blurry. So that was kind of like my thinking when I was doing the first look. And then Charlie was shooting kind of off to the side and he was just shooting the bride's reaction during that time. He also got some videos on his phone too. Um, And so, yeah, that was just the first look with the bridesmaids. It's pretty, I don't know, easy. You just kind of set it up and let the girls react. I gave them like about five minutes to just like talk with each other and like hype her up. And then we did like one group shot of all the girls there. And then we needed to go get ready for the first look, which was, it was like maybe a three or four minute drive away from where the venue was, which was where we did the first look with the bridesmaids. So do you have anything that you want to add before we go on to the first look? No, I mean, if you're, so for those of you that are listening um, and you're trying to track along with the actual timeline, then that would have been from basically noon when we started the shoot to around 1.30, 1.45 now is where we're at to yeah. be able to get the whole picture from getting ready to first look with the bridesmaids 
to then all the way through to now getting ready for the first look between the groom and the bride. Right. And I would say that that hour and a half is a pretty extended amount of time. Normally, I don't have that much time. I would say 45 minutes is pretty common for getting ready time. Um, But once you start adding first looks into there, you have to add a little bit more time into the timeline just because naturally those things take a little longer. So now we are going to do the first look. Um, So on my timeline, I always say what time the groom needs to be in place. So at 145, the groom had to be in place for the first look. And then at two was when we were doing the first look. So the first look with the bridesmaids was at 1.30 and then two o'clock was the first was the time that we're supposed to do the first look with the groom. So that gave us about 30 minutes to get in the car, um, make sure the groom was set up and then get the bride on her way to do the first look. Um, when we are getting the groom set up. Um, there's kind of a lot that goes into it. Um, we obviously have to make sure that they don't see each other, but, um, we like, I position the groom. So it's good lighting when he turns around, but I also want it to be good lighting on the bride too. So basically it has to be like even lighting all around. So that's either getting them in shade or I'm, having them sideways, like looking at each other and the sun is going to be behind them. Um, so you have to think about lighting when you do the first look. Um, oh crap. I totally forgot what I was going to say about the first look. Oh, I remember Charlie usually gets some shots of the groom in the process of like me getting the bride to the groom. I'll leave Charlie with the groom And he'll get shot like some individual shots of the groom um, real quick, which is nice because it's just, you know, you're just waiting around anyway. So, yeah, this is a great time for if you're a second shooter to continue that conversation that you've been working on, um, basically from the moment that you've met the people that you're working with. So if you were the one with all the guys from the morning. Um, just continue to reassure them that this is their big day and an opportunity for them to just soak it in. Because oftentimes, I mean, when I'm standing there alone with that groom and it's the first look, he's got all sorts of feelings that are running through him Mm -hmm. because he's about to see his bride tap him on the shoulder. He's going to turn around and see how she looks in her dress for the first time. And that's a really special moment. Yeah. So it's also a really cool time to when a person's kind of riled up with those feelings (laughs) and different things are kind of pent up on the inside is to just talk with them, to reassure them. Like I was talking about, continue to talk them through things and see how they're doing. But also it's a cool moment to get some of those shots, like the detail shots. Like um, that's when they're looking the cleanest, the freshest, because they haven't really partied yet. Nobody's really roughed them up at all. Um, They haven't been hugging 95 people at their wedding reception. Um, So that's a moment where the person that is standing there, usually the groom, um, is going to look the cleanest, the freshest. So that's when you can get really nice detailed shots of their suit. Um, If they have any types of like special details, whether it's like a lined, like a special liner in their suit or they got a really nice watch as a wedding gift. Just random things like that. And also, if you are working with the guys a lot of times, and this is kind of a piece when we get to actual the bridal party photos as well. But and I was mentioning earlier that the groom at this last wedding was having a lot of trouble with his bow tie. Um, Oftentimes, you will find yourself working with uh, people getting just those small details in place, like bow ties, ties boutonnieres just getting all that stuff kind of freshened up and straightened out so yeah yeah just kind of a last minute checkup before the groom um, is also 
being revealed to the bride at the same time. So, yeah. Yeah. And something that I will do, um, before the bride comes up, I'll, I'll tell the groom, like, she's going to tap you on this shoulder. Um, when she taps, you turn around. Um, and then I'll tell the bride, you need to tap him on this specific shoulder. He'll turn around. You guys can have your moment and then we'll move on with portraits. Um, and I think it's just important to let them know that they have just like a minute to talk to each other. Um, if you are shooting a first look, um, I will shoot a first look on my 35 millimeter, but I'll kind of stand further away. So I won't get tons of close-ups. I'll have Charlie on an 85 during that time. And he'll be the one getting more close-up shots because a first look is pretty intimate. And the last thing you want to be thinking about during a first look is the fact that the photographer's shutter keeps going off or you keep wondering like, Oh, how do I look in this photo? So we just try to be mindful of giving the couple a little bit of privacy. And then whenever they're ready, they'll tell us like, okay, we're ready for photos. And then we'll jump into some portraits. Um, so yeah. And you know, during that time, during the first look, um, it was similar to the first look with the bridesmaids where I was getting the groom's reaction and Charlie gets the bride's reaction. Um, and then when they, um, kind of start talking to each other and like have their moment, we'll just kind of like switch back and forth between angles and stuff. Um, during this specific wedding, um, after the first look, the bride and groom did like personal vows. So they didn't do personal vows during the ceremony. They just did, um, like they just read it to each other. So they just transitioned into that and we just, you know, we just captured it all as it happened. And then once they were finished with that was when we did the portraits. So, yeah, I think that's a really key thing to talk about is the fact like when you're focusing on the first looks and this comes even later in the wedding when you're talking about the ceremony or any even shooting like the first dance or different things is shooting from different focal lengths at different perspectives to be able to get out of each other's way. Um, and that's a huge piece. And the nice thing is, is when Cassidy is shooting on the 35 from one side, the nice thing is for me with the 85 standing far away coming from the other direction is that I'm still getting the perspective of a really close up angle, yeah. but from a really far away distance. That way I'm able to get a nice, close and tight, intimate shot as the two are spending that really special moment with each other. And Cassidy is also able to still be really uptight with them on a 35 and get more of a wide angle shot that's still close and intimate, but is getting more of the entire picture with the background as well. And we're not crossing over each other's uh, like lanes view lanes of view Mm -hmm. when it comes to what we're trying to capture and so it just really creates a good synchronization as we're shooting Mm -hmm. those really uh close and special intimate moments together right it's true and when i when me and charlie do cross lanes it's like like it's like it like we work through it but charlie like it's usually me going into charlie's lane because he shoots a little bit further away on the 85 and then i step in with the 35 and don't realize that I'm standing right in front of him. And so he'd be like, Cass, get out of my way. And I'm like, Oh, sorry. Like I didn't even realize, but, um, yeah, it's, that's just something that you have to work through with a second shooter. Like sometimes you guys do get in each other's way or like there, like there have been times where Charlie's like been in the background a little bit. And so you just kind of have to notice that as you're shooting and literally just take a step in the other direction and they'll be out of your shot. That's just something you have to keep an eye for because sometimes you do get in each other's shots a little bit. Um, Charlie's like looking at me and laughing cause I, I'm so bad. Like when I go through his photos, I'll look and it'll just be me sometimes because I just, 
I just get in front of him like all the time. Yeah, well, it's kind of the reason why I'm laughing too is this is a really obscure reference. But for any of you that have been around social media for a while now, you might remember the old vine of the lady walking through the supermarket and she sees the fake rat on the shelf and she makes the like noise and she dives (laughs) out of the way. And I think of that vine every time that I see Cassidy shooting towards me and I'm in her lane and I like jump (laughs) out of the way to try and get out of her shot. I'm always thinking like, man, I'm messing up another one. I make that little noise and like try to get out of the way. I don't know if you do that, but I kind of remember it. I think it recently came back on TikTok. And so I don't remember it from Vine, but I remember it from seeing a TikTok about the Vine. Yeah. So it's just funny that that Vine comes up in my head or the TikTok comes up in my head every time now that I'm like shooting. And I don't know if I've ever mentioned that to you, but I literally think of that every time that I get in your shot. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So um, after the first look, we will jump into portraits. So um, after a first look, we will do bride and groom portraits. And then typically I'll have the bridal party meet us afterwards. Oh, wait, no, it's the opposite. After the first look, the bridal party comes right away. And then we try to do portraits of just the bride and groom after the bridal party because um, the bridal party, like once they're there, you need to take photos of them ASAP because um, it's, you know, it's a group of 12 people versus a group of two people. So there's a lot of needs and, um, I don't know, some people don't do as well with the heat if it's hot outside. So with bigger groups, you just want to get things done a little bit faster. So after the first look, we actually headed to a separate location for the rest of the, the photos, which ended up being kind of in, um, like impromptu decision. But thankfully I had the phone numbers of like the maid of honor and a few other of the bridesmaids. So I was able to just call them and say, Hey, we're actually switching locations. Can you come here? And they did, which was good. So, um, after the first look, we went to the second location. We did about 15 minutes of bride and groom photos before the bridal party got there. And it's just because I don't want to waste time ever. So if we are just waiting around for the bridal party to show up, I'm going to get photos of the bride and groom because that's just extra photos they can have. I don't want to waste any time. Then when the bridal party came, that's when we broke up into different groups. So Charlie will shoot the guys. I'll shoot the girls. Um, We will both be on the 35 at that point. The 35 is like my default lens. And if we're not shooting together and we're shooting like different things separately, Charlie will be on the 35 as well to kind of replicate the images that I would take. Um, Right. What'd you say? Yeah. Not even goes for. So how she was talking about at different working at different locations at the same time, trying to replicate her ideal vision for what those shots would be. That even goes for like the getting ready photos in the morning or any things like that. So the same type of aspect applies when we're talking about now splitting off with the bridesmaids and the groomsmen taking the same types of shots with different people just trying to replicate the same feel so yeah really using the same um, approach and trying to just create the same type of perspective right and then once we are finished with the separate parties we probably do i would say maybe 10 15 minutes with the separate parties and then we bring both parties together and that's when we do the huge bridal party photos for about 15 minutes. So, um, I had slotted, um, the bridal party photos to go until three 30, um, which 
you know, at this point, the timeline's kind of crazy because we ended up having to drive to a second location. So things had to get a little bit flexible, but, um, yeah. So bridal party photos, we did that. Um, I, I usually run through, I don't know, maybe like five or six different poses and I try to keep the bridal party kind of all in their position that they already are in. So in their order, and then I just kind of switch like I'll have them turn in and squeeze in and then we'll do like some different things like serious face and whatever. Um, and during that time, Charlie usually switches back to the 85 and gets some like close up fun stuff of the different people in the bridal party or the bride and groom, which I, I like those shots. Like they're just a little bit different and it's stuff that I couldn't get because I have to focus on getting everyone in focus. Yeah, I mean, so you may be thinking like, man, the 85, like, why does he always jump back to the 85? That's kind of a weird focal length. Like, and to be honest with you, it was actually just the first lens that I purchased with my camera when I was starting to second shoot with cast. And we'll talk more about that when when we actually get to that episode. Uh, but the nice thing with the 85 is, is it really just gives you an opportunity to get close shots of individuals while being far away at the same time. And so the cool thing is, is Cassidy can be orchestrating a big group shot with all of the people that are in the bridal party. And I can be off on the side and still capturing really cool close-up shots of all these different people as Cassidy's doing these big things. So I'll kind of flip because I also help Cassidy like get um, the phone shots for stories on Instagram yeah. or maybe um, just some B-roll, like casual B-roll stuff for TikTok yeah. videos and different things like that. So I'll kind of be off over her shoulder either with the 85 getting shots close-up of the people in the bridal party and the uh, bride and groom as well. Um, or just taking videos that are kind of like I said, yeah. the casual B-roll. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and when we're doing that, um, I it's always a priority to get those um shots with the 85, those different perspectives. But once it's like Charlie's at a point where he has enough photos, then he'll go and start doing some videos for me. Um, and it's important to take videos of yourself. Um, TikToks and reels are really big right now. And just having content over yourself, to be honest, it's always good to have, um, just kind of in the back burner, just like keep it backlogged just in case you need to use those videos later. Um, so yeah, I will usually ask Charlie to take, um, a few videos of me usually during the bride and groom portraits, bridal party, Um, and then he gets like a few of me, like maybe during sunset photos and like a few during the reception. That's basically it. Like he won't, you know, it's not crazy where he'll prioritize his phone over getting second shooter shots. Um, but it's like whenever you don't really need a second shooter, it's just like extra, he'll get the shots he needs and then he'll do some phone shots for me. So the bridal party is a really fun time to get some phone shots. Um, and then once we're done with bridal party, Um, I always put in the timeline that we go back to the bridal suites. Um, So 3.30 was the time that we're going to go back to the bridal suites for this wedding. Four o'clock was when the ceremony was beginning. Um, I think 30 minutes is enough time. But for this wedding, we um, it was like a little bit like maybe like a five minute drive back to the venue. So when we got there, there was enough guests arriving to where I kind of wish we would have got there a little bit earlier. There's nothing really that we could have done. Um, the bride and groom could have done or that we could have done because we had to get all the shots that we needed. Um, but you know, we ended up just like, I think they had like a girl standing at the entrance so that no one could come in for a little bit. And then the bride came in the back entrance and just went up to the bridal suite right away. And I think her bridesmaids like made a wall for her, like a body wall so that she could like sneak into the bridal suite and no one would see her. Um, so 
Um, usually once we go back to the bridal suites, um, it's kind of like ceremony time. So ceremony planning time, but also we get some shots of guests arriving. Um, that's, that's like a really good time. I think to get some shots of the guests and as wedding photographers, we don't just focus on the bride and groom, but we also focus on the guests. So, um, we, when we get some candidates of the guests, usually we're doing stuff on the 85 because on the 35 millimeter, like it's just obvious that you're taking pictures of whoever you're taking pictures of. But on the 85, you can kind of sneak those shots in and be kind of more like a secret spy and get some some shots and people don't know you're taking photos of them. So from 3.30 to 4, we are getting shots of people arriving. And then we're also prepping for what the ceremony is going to look like. Me and Charlie usually have like a little powwow and talk through, you'll stand here. I'll stand here. I tell him like what lens I want him on. Um, and it all depends on the lighting. It also depends on the ceremony setup because some ceremonies don't have space outside of the, um, the guest aisle. So on the outside of like the outskirts of the setup, if that makes sense, like the only space to walk is the aisle and then the back and the front. But some weddings have space on the sides where you can creep up to. So depending on what the setup is, we'll kind of talk through like you're standing here, I'm standing here. My preference when we shoot is having Charlie shoe in the back. So he will shoe the guests or not the guests, the bridal party like coming in, but he's also in a position where he can shoot the groom's reaction, but also get the bride's head a little bit out of focus. So he's in the back. I think it, it would be the back left. And then I'm in the front left and I get everyone walking down the aisle and then I can get shots of the bride walk as she's walking down the aisle. I can also turn and get a shot of the groom real quick, but Charlie has the best angle for that. And then he can also, um, get some shots of like the bride's dress. And like, as she's walking down the aisle, get some of those shots from the back. And the reason that we do that is because if we're both standing on the left side, we can shoot so that we're not in each other's way. Um, and then especially when the bride walks on the aisle, all of the guests stand up. So I don't see Charlie anyway, because he's being blocked by a bunch of guests, which works out. Um, so yeah, that's like basically the ceremony, the beginning of the ceremony. Um, he will primarily be on the 85. I'll be on the 35 at the front of the aisle, unless it's a really big wedding, then we'll both be on the 85 the whole time, but I've found the 35 is the best for me to stand up front because I can get like those shots of the hugs and everything too. Um, and then after obviously like the bride comes up there, I'll back away and, and I like won't be at the center of it all. Um, so yeah. Do you have anything else that you feel like we do at the beginning of the ceremony? Well, yeah. So, I mean, as we're talking about all these different things when it comes to our methodology of how to shoot a wedding. So we're in that kind of game planning session at the beginning of the time. And a big yeah. thing is, is the actual bridal party is having a time to kind of regather themselves to take a break, to just catch their breath, get some water and just relax for a little bit. And I think a big part of that also comes in those transition times when you're moving from getting ready to um, the bridal party photos, the first look, whatever it is, 
I know Cassidy was talking about utilizing all those different points in time, but a big part of the day is also just making sure that people are doing okay. Yeah. When you're bride and your groom. So even just being willing to grab them water, grab them food at any point in time, if they need it, um, just giving them a chance to sit down. If it's a super hot day, not really rushing them through everything, making sure that they're doing well and enjoying their time and not getting overwhelmed because we've also had some weddings where the people that we're working with kind of flip a switch halfway through and they go from having a great morning and doing well to getting super overwhelmed um, and just kind of being taken over by the moment. And so um, really try to be attentive to those things as you, the photographer, are working with your individuals and your subjects. Just do your best to serve them, not only to capture the moment and to be focused on getting your shot, but just to really keep that relationship in in tow as you are working through the day and to give mm-hmm. them space too. And so that's what I'm the, one of the big things that as you're getting into the ceremony um, because that's going to be a time where your bridal party is just going to be standing up and standing in the same spot for forever basically or if it's a really quick ceremony then not maybe not. Um, but yeah, so those those couple things is you're prepping for the actual ceremony and then during that time when it comes to the actual ceremony uh, it's it as the second shooter, it really is a little bit more relaxed for me because I'm in the back. Cassidy is up front, the one that's really got kind of a longer list or a checklist of the key shots that she's got to get while she's up there. Yeah, I really try to make sure that I have my my certain shots, whether it's the entrance by the bridal party, also the parents, you know, getting sat at each side, trying to get those shots of the family coming in and different things like that as the groom's kind of ushering people in. And then just making sure that I'm staying up to up to date, you know, like as as it's moving through. That I even for Cassidy, if there's other things that she needs, finding my game plan for how I can move throughout the venue without being a distraction Mm -hmm. and figuring out how I can communicate with Cassidy, um, even while she's still shooting to be able to pick up stuff that she might want last minute. Yeah. Because there are always things that you're not going to think of everything on the front side. And mm-hmm. you need to be able to react in a split second to be able to get that shot. Um, and if you're not ready, you are you only got one shot during the right. ceremony. So if you don't get it, you didn't get it. Yeah. And that's on you. So um, really doing your best just to stay on your toes, you know, during that time yeah. to be sharp, giving people a moment to breathe and, you know, just be ready for whatever comes your way. Yeah. And I'm just going to say amen to that because we've had a few ceremonies where, Um, we, there were things that happened that we didn't know were happening. Um, so just being ready to shoot whatever is happening. Um, and you kind of have to think of a ceremony, like, um, a change of events is how I think of it. So whenever something different happens in a ceremony, get photos of that. So, um, the bridal party walking in, that's a change of event. Then the bride walks in, that's a change of event. Then they hold hands and face each other. That's a change. You need to get photos of that. Then they do rings change of event, get photos of that first kiss, get that, um, walking down the aisle, a change of event. So, um, that's kind of like how my brain thinks of basically all events is once something changes and once something is different than what's already going on, I'm going to get like all the different shots that I need of that. And then once I have enough shots, I'll wait into the next change of event. Um, so after we're basically completely through shooting the ceremony, um, I will be in the aisle typically shooting the first kiss, the exchange of rings, the vows. Um, I usually have Charlie just on the outskirts of the aisle getting different angles. 
Um, and then as the, they kiss and are announced, I will back up and like, I'll be in the aisle, but then as they walk towards me, I'll start to backpedal a little bit and get photos of them walking backwards, which kind of has almost bit me in the butt one time. I almost fell at one wedding, but, um, I think the other weddings I've shot and done that I've been fine. Um, and then once the bride and groom like clear the aisle, I will go with them because usually as the bridal party also comes back down the aisle, they'll do some sort of like hugging and like congratulating the couple. And I want to get photos of that. So I'll let Charlie get photos of the bridal party leaving the ceremony and I'll get the shots of the bridal party, like saying congrats to the couple. Um, so that's what we do at that point in time. After that, we have, um, either a receiving line or family photos, usually both. So usually the couple will go around to each row or, um, you know, just say hi to everyone. However they do it. I've seen couples do a bunch of different ways. Um, during that time, we're getting tons of candidates of the guests and we're also getting candidates of like the bride and groom specifically talking to each couple. Um, that's a really good time to get photos of almost everyone at the ceremony. Um, so me and Charlie kind of split up and just get candidates of everything going on. Um, during family photos, that's usually when cocktail hour is. So I will go to family photos and um, Charlie will either be getting photos at cocktail hour or he'll be with me helping me get through family photos and like calling out names. That's kind of dependent on if I have a maid of honor or a sister or um, just someone in charge, a coordinator who can help me with the family photo list. If there's someone that knows the family well that can help me with that, Charlie will go and do cocktail hour photos. If not, Charlie will stay with me and kind of help me get through that. And then we'll get cocktail photos after. Um, something that I didn't mention is getting photos of the venue and the ceremony space before people get there. Um, and the reason that I didn't mention it is because it's not in our timeline, but it's in like our must have list. And the reason it's kind of hard to determine, it's just hard to determine when is going to be a good time to get those photos because sometimes the venue's not set up completely until right before the guests get there or like during the ceremony. Um, we've had a few times where we had to sneak into the venue during the ceremony to get shots of things because like there wasn't going to be any time before the guests arrive or Charlie literally after the ceremony had to sprint down to the venue and get sh like two minutes worth of shots before people got there. So, um, you want to make sure you're getting those detail shots of the ceremony and the venue. Um, typically the ceremony you can get, um, just during the getting ready portion, but the venue is kind of a tricky, um, it's kind of tricky just finding a good time. So that's something to think about. Um, as you're kind of putting together the timeline, think about like when would be a good time to go to the venue, um, and get those detail photos. So, um, after cocktail hour photos, uh, depending on if you've done a first look or not for this specific instance, we did a first look. So we went right into the reception. We actually did go and get some offsite bridal portraits again, because we had, it was like an extra, like 45 minutes. Family photos were really quick for us. So we had like an extra 45 minutes to go and get some photos of the bride and groom again. And we, we ended up giving the bride and groom like a five minute break and Charlie went and got them some food and some water. Yeah. Some chips and guac. Yeah. And they <laughs> ate, um, just a little bit. And then once they were ready, 
we took them to a separate location, did more portraits because we didn't feel like I personally didn't feel like I got enough shots the first time after the first look because it was kind of rushed. So having that time after um, the ceremony was good. Um, then we got back and um, that was when the reception starts. Um, during the reception, there's lots of things to take photos of, but we really just follow like um, a series of events at that point. Like at that point, there's um, the DJs kind of taking charge. Yeah, I was going to say a big part of that, you as the photographer or the second shooter need to coordinate with whoever's going to be the one emceeing that yeah. reception. Sometimes people don't have a DJ and that's fine. You just got to figure out if it's like an uncle or if it's a friend that's going to be the one that's hosting the event. You really got to go up to them and you need to have a conversation with them just real quick, get their list of different things, see what they have on the plans for the night. And that might seem overly obvious, but... The thing is, is you need to be a heads up as well because you're not the one putting on the re reception. So you got to make sure that you know all the different plans that they have. Yeah. And even then, there might still be some things that aren't mentioned that happened uh, during the reception, which happened to us at this last wedding, that there yeah. were some other things that weren't even on the list from the DJ that ended up happening, which we were still able to, able to capture. But, yeah. you know, it's just you got to be same same idea with the ceremony as you are trying to stay on your toes to be ready for everything. That just applies for the rest of the night because once you're out of the bridal party portraits and the, the bride and groom portraits, the rest of the night is like a live event and you are there to just react on a moment's notice to be able yeah. to get all these different shots at whatever time. So it really you really have to stay sharp and be ready for whatever. Yeah. And you also need to make sure that you are asking the DJ to come up to you and tell you when... Um, they're going to like do something. So usually a DJ will come up to me and be like, are, are you okay if we do the cake cutting now? Um, and then I'll be like, sure. You know? So it's just little things like that that you want to make sure are going to happen. Um, so with the reception, you start with entrances for us. This was at six o'clock um, for entrances. Me and Charlie just get different perspectives. Um, he'll usually get more of like um, when people walk in and then I'll get when they do like a funny dance or their kind of like introduction thing. Um, so that's what we'll do during entrance entrances. It's pretty chill. It's just like getting candids, whatever you can get. Um, if the lighting is poor at the reception, I try to make sure that I have my flash ready to go. If it's not like, like ready to go in my bag, if not on my camera too, um, not necessarily it's turned on and I'm using it, but with my flash, I just want to make sure it's like ready just in case I need it. Um, and then after the entrances was speeches, um, with speeches, I will, I, yeah, we usually both shoot on the 85 during this part of the reception because we don't want to be like just a distraction. Um, so I'll shoot on the 85 and I will get the person speaking. I'll try to get reactions of the bride and groom. And then I'll ask Charlie to get some candidates of the bridal party's reactions and family members reactions. Those are really special photos to have. So I try to make sure that Charlie is getting those while I'm getting um, the primary shots of what's actually happening. Um, after speeches, it's dinner, which is usually me and Charlie's time to just chill. Um, we will get a few, like maybe five or six shots of the couple going through the line at the beginning. And then we'll find our seat wherever that is. And um, we usually go to eat right after all the bridal party goes through and that first table gets dismissed, that's when we get up and go get food just so we have enough time to eat and like 
actually sit down and take a breather before the next um, events happen because sometimes the events will happen literally directly after dinner. And if we're the last table to get dismissed, we won't have time to eat our food. And then therefore we're going to faint and pass out and die. Yeah. And this kind of goes back to that other point, just the practical things when you're getting ready for a long day of coverage is, I mean, if you think about our timeline, we would have eaten around 11, 1130 when we were driving for this event and we had that food and we're ready to go. And it's already like seven o'clock now by the time that we're eating again. So it's not to create a scene about it or to say that you're more important than a bunch of the people at the wedding, because that's not at all what we're trying to say by going up fast and getting food. It's just so that we can continue to do our job well, that we want to stay ahead of the events and give ourselves some time to be able to also take care of our bodies and to have enough energy to get through the rest of the evening, but also not be crammed to the point where we're missing events by having to eat later than everybody else as well too. So yeah, absolutely. That hundred percent. That's exactly why we eat first. It's not about us. It's never about us on a wedding day. And that's kind of an attitude thing that you have to come into a wedding day with is like, it's not about the photographers. It's about the couple and it's about the fact that they're getting married and we're capturing it straight up. And so it's not like bridal party and then us right after the bridal party just try and blend in with the first right. group of guests that go up just yeah. hop in line just grab just your plates and do it. yeah yeah we're just casual about it um okay so after the dinner our first dances me and charlie are basically doing what we always do we're shooting in tandem he is shooting on a different lens than me because we're both kind of shooting at the same thing he will be on the 85 and i will usually be on the 35 I'll get some further away stuff, a few close-ups, and then Charlie will get close-ups with the 85 and then reactions of the guests and parents and whatnot. Um, After the first dances for this wedding, we had open dancing right after. So Charlie um, will actually shoot open dancing with an 85 and I stay on my 35 because I I get some of those wider like party type photos and Charlie kind of focuses on some more close-ups during that time. And I, I like that the difference in those two um, types of shots. So that's just kind of what we do. Charlie has a flash. He doesn't always use the flash because sometimes the lighting is good enough to where you don't need it and he can get some natural light stuff and then I'll use a flash during open dancing and get some fun like party vibe photos. Um, And I don't even remember at what time this was um, that that happened because then, oh, actually it was like eight o'clock because at eight we did the bouquet toss and the garter thing, um, which... This is just kind of like entrances. We both just kind of try to capture what we can. It's a little bit difficult to capture these because they happen so fast. Um, but yeah, we just try to capture it this at that point. Um, not everyone does a bouquet toss or a garter toss, but um, yeah, we usually just stay on the lenses that we had before. Um, and then at that point, we... Um, It was in our schedule to sneak away for sunset portraits, but sometimes when you have sunset portraits in the timeline, the couple kind of opts out of it sometimes because they're having too much fun at their wedding and they don't want to miss out on those memories and they feel like they already have enough photos and they're fine with it. So, um, it was around nine o'clock, the sunset's around nine 30. So I went up to the couple at nine, they were dancing, having fun. And I was like, do you guys want to do sunset portraits? Um, we were going to drive 15 minutes to go to the beach, do 15 minutes of photos and drive 15 minutes back, which is about 45 minutes taken away from their reception. 
And they said, we still want to do sunset porches, but we just want to stay somewhere close to here so that we don't miss as much. So we ended up going to a boat dock that was like three minutes away. We did around 10 minutes of photos. Maybe I got them through maybe six poses. And then I was like, okay, like, I think we're good. Like we can just go back and you guys can keep partying. Um, during that time, during the sunset portraits, Charlie was just getting some iPhone shots of me and he got some shots on the 85 too. Um, and when Charlie comes with me during that time, he's definitely like the conversation person and he will talk with the bride and groom and I do too, but, um, Charlie's just a nice asset to have as we're in the car with them and stuff, uh, because he is that conversation starter and he, you know, he just knows what to ask. So yeah. Um, yeah. So then after sunset portraits, we, um, for this wedding specifically, they had like a final dance. So they did like 30 more minutes of open dancing. And then all of the guests were cleared out of the reception and, um, they were kind of put into the lines for sparkler exit. And then the DJ played a special song. There was no one else in the venue except like staff and they turned on the lights and the couple just did like a dance by themselves. So this was the point where the DJ didn't tell us about this, but, um, I guess the couple also didn't know about it. So he just, I don't know, just did it, which is fine. We ended up, um, getting photos of it and we were there for it. Um, and Charlie actually ended up getting the groom's phone somehow and taking a video of the dance for the groom. And then I just got shots on my camera because I personally, having a second shooter during that time. Yeah, that's nice. But if you can get the groom's phone and get that memory for him, um, in video format and I can get shots and my shots are fine. Like, I think that's a great, great thing to do. And it's not like Charlie went out of the way to get the phone. It was just someone handed it to him and it just happened to be at that time. So, um, yeah, that's kind of what happened during their final dance. Um, and then we did the sparkler exit. Yeah, so I mean, it was just kind of like by random chance that I had kind of leveraged myself as like a right hand to the groom during throughout the day as mm -hmm. I was just doing whatever I could to help him out through the day. One of the uh, groomsmen had his phone for a while during the reception as they were partying and different things, and I had gotten the phone back just to give it to him. And as we were walking in, literally, I was looking for the groom. Um, just to give him his phone back before they left for, during the sparkler exit. That was when we stumbled across seeing <laughs> them dancing yeah. for this really special moment as them like a final dance of the night. It was like the secret dance or something the DJ had coined it as. And it was really cool. They had they were dancing under the chandeliers and low light in the venue by themselves with just yeah. really cool lighting. So it was, it was a special moment. And that was when I realized I was like, I have your phone. Yeah. I'm taking a video of this. This is sweet. <laughs> Might as well. Yeah. Yeah. So it worked out really well. And I mean, so yeah, then we just got them ready once they were done with their dance. That's when we got the, the couple positioned and we um, met up with the videographer for the last kind of thing to get the couple out the door and yeah. into their car and on their way into their new married right. life. Yeah. And during the sparkler exit, um, before the couple ran through inside, I told them, I want you guys to stop at the end of the tunnel and kiss, um, make it long, dramatic, like drawn out. And then, you know, once you get the kiss and we get that kissing shot, you can go ahead and go in the car. Um, so once I told them that, that was when we lit the sparklers because I wanted to make sure that they knew that before all, everyone was out there waiting. Um, when you're doing the sparkler exit, um, keep in mind that sparklers are dangerous a little bit. So, um, 
it's not worth risking your life to get a shot if you feel like certain guests are really drunk and they might catch you on fire. Like, please don't risk getting caught on fire. Yeah. And the crazy thing was that this wedding, they had like the three foot long sparklers. So yeah. everybody's like got these huge sparklers and some people <laughs> Which ended yeah, up being just, nice because like they were longer. So we had them stand further back. Um, the yeah. shorter ones, like that has to happen so quickly. Otherwise people's lights start going out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, once they like ran through the tunnel, they did the kiss. And then because they were the three foot long sparklers, it was like, well, we have time. And so the couple ran back through the tunnel and then came back at us, which ended up being good for some photos. Um, Charlie was on the 85 during that time. I was on the 35. We didn't use a flash. We just did natural light because um, the sparklers like illuminate the subjects enough to where you can get shots. But um, I think the flash kind of ruins it a little bit and it just makes it feel more magical when you don't use a flash. So that's kind of what we did. And then once the couple got in the car, you know, we grabbed our stuff and we Audi. I think we stopped at Wendy's on the way home. And that was me. That yep. wanted Wendy's. Cassidy wanted her frosty. <laughs> I was so hungry. Usually like we will eat the dessert at the venue and we did eat dessert. But I just was like, I'm still hungry. I don't know why. Yeah. And so, I mean, there's all sorts of different things that you have to keep in mind. And it may sound like during that, that little secret dance at the end that that was like so much time. It sounded like we were describing like 20 minutes in between them going out the sparkler exit and leaving between them dancing and actually getting in the car. And it wasn't, no, that all happened in a matter of maybe like five minutes. So it was just trying to get all that stuff put together at the same time. So so after we've made it through the timeline, I just want to close out the episode with going through some, I guess, like wedding day tips, things that would be helpful for you to know um, if you're shooting weddings or just things that are helpful for us. Um, so I can go first. Um, I think the main thing that's so helpful for me is making a timeline beforehand. So communicating with my couple, finding out what they want out of the wedding day. Do they want a first look, whatever, and making that timeline and following it. Um, that for me is like a huge thing. Yeah. And so it's it for you from myself as a second shooter. I think one of the things to kind of keep an eye on as you're going through the day is really to have an eye for detail. You know, when you're in a group setting, there's a lot of things that in your post editing process, you'll find will ruin photos that if you can learn to train yourself and keep an eye out for as you're capturing the moment, mm -hmm. you're going to save yourself a lot of a headache going back or maybe having to Photoshop somebody's eyes, <laughs> yes. someone who's blinking, having to Photoshop somebody's pocket because it's looking crazy. Yeah. Just watch for people's like hands in pockets, out of pockets, specifically talking about the guys, because usually the guys are not in sync as, right. as it comes to getting the photos and the guys mm -hmm. are just messing around. So watch for jackets being buttoned, similar hands in pockets, people blinking, making Phone. sure yeah guys are big culprits for having phones and wallets, wallets and keys in their in their pockets so they look yeah. like they got crazy legs so just make sure to really watch out for those things and make sure to get people looking uniform so that everybody matches right it's also been helpful for me to have a family photo list which is something that I collect from my couples when I sent their questionnaire but that family photo list makes family photos go so much smoother um, and then you can also um, just make sure that you utilize multiple angles when you have a second photographer. I know we talked about this a lot in this episode, but actually utilizing your second photographer. Um, I have shot for a wedding where, um, the main photographer didn't utilize me and also like, didn't 
use any of my photos in the final gallery, which is weird. Um, so just making sure that you're actually utilizing the extra person that your couple has hired and doing your due, due diligence in that way. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, to go kind of go along with this, I don't actually have this on my list, but I was thinking about this as we were talking about shooting from different perspectives and shooting on different focal lengths. A tip for you is if you are an individual that maybe you are the one that's kind of behind the scenes and maybe just helping with more of the serving side of it and just working from the second perspective. One of the things when it comes to kind of the candid moments is I personally as a shooter don't really do super well in those candid moments with being the one that is up front and trying to get the shots that are close when it comes to shooting like a 35 or shooting something that's more of a natural focal length. So using the 85 is a great way for me to be able to have the effect of a close-up shot but not be up front with yeah. the individuals that we're shooting. So if you're a person that finds yourself um, feeling awkward in those candid moments or going around during cocktail hour or shooting at a reception and you just feel out of place sometimes trying to be upfront and getting those really close shots, maybe try switching it up and shooting from a farther focal length than you think. And that will help you get the close up shots while not necessarily being right next to the subjects that you're shooting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very true. Um, something else that is helpful to know is um, like, it's okay to split up if you are with a second photographer, like be okay with the fact that you guys might have to split up at some point and, shoot, you know, tag team things a little bit, um, that incorporates a lot of trust and you really have to be willing to trust another person with the outcome of the photos, but that's part of working on a team together. Um, so yeah. Yeah. And you create your groove, obviously for most of you listening out there, the person that's your second shooter might not be your spouse. Right. So that'll come with time. But as you create that type of teamwork and maybe you do a couple weddings with the same individual that's where you can kind of have those types of teamwork um, adaptability kind of work into it because you start to build trust with that individual and you just learn that you guys have great um, uh, continuity when you work yeah. with each other so maybe just continue to keep working with that same individual as your second shooter yeah um with the timeline i think it's just important to be adaptable and have that attitude of being willing to adapt if things need to change. So with um, this wedding that we were talking about, we had a location for the bridal portraits and then it ended up being switched. Like in the moment, the bride was like, I want to go somewhere else. And just that adaptability, I think is really important. And just having the attitude of like, it's okay to adapt the timeline if things need to change, you know? Yeah. And so kind of to change the subject just a little bit for this next tip is to really think about when you're in group settings or working with the bride and the groom to really be clear in your communication when it comes to posing, mm -hmm. because one of the things that can really kill the moment or the continuity of a photo session is when you are not being specific in the way that you want people to pose. And then you are getting all sorts of weird poses that are coming through <laughs> in your shots and yeah. people just feel out of place because they're like, what am I actually supposed to do? And you right. leave your sentences or descriptions open for interpretation by yes. the subject. And then you're getting your end result is just shots that don't look very good because the individual is not comfortable and they don't yeah. really know what to do. Yeah. And with group photos specifically, um, if you tell people like to just walk, um, they might start making like funny faces or like, I don't know, being overly dramatic with things. So, yeah. 
clear communication, especially with like what to do with your hands, what to do with your face. I think people can, they can do the motion of it, but it's like their face that they kind of have a hard time with, you know? Yeah. And in the end, like in the, at the end of it all, you're going to save yourself a lot of time if you are working on your communication skills and keeping it sharp and clearly laid out because then you won't have to waste time going back and posing people a second time or trying to figure out why does the shot look weird to you? Like it doesn't feel natural. And then you realize, okay, now I have to go back and figure out how to re-explain everything that I was just trying to explain. Yeah. Um, when you're making the timeline, it's always good to incorporate drive time too. So for this wedding, we had about a five minute drive time from the locations to the venue. But in some cases that can be as high as 30 minutes or 45 minutes. So incorporating drive time into your timeline is super duper important. And also, um, with timeline, I always try to do my details first. So the photos of the invitation and the rings and stuff, I try to get those out of the way right away. If you postpone that, you might end up doing those photos during the reception, um, which is not ideal. So if you can knock those photos out right away. Yeah. And so I think one of the last things that I have to talk about, and this really is a nice thing for me as the second shooter is that I'm not really worried about coordinating the entire day, but I am definitely one of the people that's closest to the bride and groom throughout the process of the entire day for them. Yeah. And so I really end up becoming one of the biggest influences, not in, not in a way of importance. I'm not trying to puff myself up here, but just by the natural effect of the day of me being close to them, we as photographers have a huge influence on the day. So don't be afraid to be personable with the people that you're working with. Allow your sense of character and the way that you relate with people to be a part of how you are as a shooter. Learn to get to know people, be funny with them, have a good time. You allow your sense of humor to come through and just allow the day to naturally play out in that way. And people will really appreciate you more as a photographer because of that. And it's just made such a difference in the way that the way Cassidy and I have shot, because we're not just there to offer a product for people. We're not just there to send them their digital gallery back to them. We're really there to get to know them and to have a great time with them. And we've had couples tell us that we have loved having you around because of the way that you guys related with us. Yeah. And a lot of the people that say that we're having a great time with you are not even just talking about Cassidy's excellence and the way that she puts together the final product. They're more just making comments on how the day has flowed so naturally. And it's just been a great fit to be around with us as as people. It's like the experience almost like you're giving rather than just providing the service, you're providing an experience, which is the service paired with just, I don't know, great customer service. Um, and I think it's important to serve your client on your wedding, on their wedding day. So, um, the last thing that I wanted to say was to, um, just, I don't know, offer, um, like, is there anything else that you want? Or like, I guess before you move on to your next pose or the next thing on the timeline, just being considerate of asking your couple, is there anything else that you wanted before we move on? And a lot of times when I ask that, my couple will let me know like, oh, I actually wanted this photo or like, I'll I'll ask it after family photos. And Someone will say, oh, I want a photo with the, with my grandma. Um, or, oh, I accidentally didn't add this into the list, but I would love to have this shot too. So that's kind of the mindset of just like serving your client 
and making sure that their needs are met and you are giving them a great experience by asking what else they want, you know? Yeah. And so I, I think that really just even comes down to the small things. Like I had mentioned earlier with the detail shots of like the groom, that's being willing to put on a boutonniere for a couple guys. That's willing a willingness to help carry around the bouquet for the bride when she's going from spot to spot. That's willingness to bring water bottles with you to give out to people. Just random things that you might not think about as being completely necessary to taking photos for a day at a wedding, but the really small things that play a huge part in the customer service aspect of just being willing to serve the people that have hired you to be there for the day. Right. Yes. I feel like this is a good point to wrap up the episode. Um, We have talked so much about wedding day stuff and like how we work together. Um, And since this was our first podcast episode together, this was fun. Yeah. I I liked it. Man, thanks for having me on, Cass. This is a great time just to be able to share some of the things that I've learned shooting alongside of you. Of course. Uh, Anytime. You can, we'll do other episodes. We literally have another one planned that we're going to record um, later. So yeah. Um, if you guys like this episode, make sure you subscribe or follow, um, leave us a five-star review and I don't know, just stay tuned for more episodes because we got lots more coming. Um, if you guys have specific topics that you want covered, um, I'm going to put a few polls on my Instagram story in the next couple of weeks asking you guys um, what topics you want me to talk about or like what guests you want me to have on. So go to my Instagram. It's linked in the description and just make sure that you are following me just to make sure that you are able to submit um, your feedback. So yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Expose my mind to clarity. Oh, my spirit shudders. Capture the moment oh, to keep my sanity. Wisdom rushing in so much clearer now. Getting a little bit higher with every step I take, I'm getting good. Getting a little bit better, I'm climbing to the top. Never gonna stop, I'm.